this thing on? If you like rock music, punk, metal, or blues, then you've come to the right place because we like it too. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Soundcheck, the rock and roll and alternative music podcast here in Central Michigan Life. My name's Andrew Mullen. As always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Michael Livingston, and our fantastic, wonderful, beautiful uh, editor, Ben Ackley. There we go. Got the pregnant pause in there. And it feels like it's been a little bit. I think we, we, we took a week off. Um, finals, I think, kind of warped our sense of time more so than the pandemic already has so uh it feels like it's been a while since we've been able to sit down with each other and uh kind of be able to record an episode but uh that's okay we're back now and i think we're gonna have a really fun uh maybe slightly embarrassing episode for all of us planned but i think we're gonna have a i think we're gonna have a good time here i'm looking forward to it uh but yeah first of all we should probably get some stuff out of the way as always you can follow us on twitter it's at Ashcheck Official. That's our Twitter handle. Michael, where can people find your your lovely <laughs> self on Twitter? Yes, you can follow me at Michael C. Live. Uh, you can follow me at Andrew Mullen 4, and I won't bother asking Ben because he'll just say you can't find him. Uh, we've, we've learned you've learned the drill by now. But yeah, um, this is going to be kind of... Michael's saying this might be our last official episode of the season. I wouldn't go as far to say that. This is really this is gonna be the last episode of the season where we're like kind of actually in school. Uh, but considering that we've uh, been mainly doing this over Zoom for the entire semester, it's pretty easy for us to kind of carry on the semester moving forward. So actually, we'll ha- we will have a, a few episodes coming up post uh, finals ending, and uh, we will be. I think carrying this out kind of roughly a little, little bit before Christmas, before we come back in mid-January. Does that sound about right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, yeah. So you so keep an eye out for us past uh, break this time, guys. Uh, we have a couple, we got a couple cool episodes planned for you. Um, that being said, though, let's get into today's topic at hand. Um, Michael, Ben, a question for both of you. Were you once uh, described as teenagers at some point in the past? I have to say I was, unfortunately. I'll plead the fifth. <laughs> well, we don't know, we're not quite sure about Ben then, but uh, I was also once categorized as a teenager, as we all, as we all are, I assume, um, or part of our adolescence, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we were younger than what we are now. And uh, at some point, we tend to have embarrassing, tend to follow embarrassing trends or have embarrassing things about ourselves uh, from that point in time. We're still trying to figure out exactly who we are. Um, sometimes those trends kind of carry with us um, throughout time. You might solicit, especially if we're talking about music, you might still be listening to some music. You might not want to tell people because they're part of that cringy phase in your past that you still enjoy. Other people, it is a phase. And we kind of look back at that point of our time as with some disgust, maybe, maybe some embarrassment because, wow, that was terrible. I don't know what this intro is, but I think you get the gist of of when what this episode's topic is going to be. We'll talk about music of our adolescence. We kind of stole, at least I kind of stole this idea from 
Anthony Fantano, but now we're going to expand upon it a bit. We're going to talk about music that we once listened to as, you know, in our early mid-teens, maybe, maybe a little bit before that, and uh, just kind of share it with you all. Uh, Michael, how are we going to do this today? Um, Andrew, you introduced this new app that we're going to try out called JBXQ. JBXQ, yes. yes. Close. And uh, basically, Andrew, the way you described it is just a, a better way to share music and kind of like yeah. um, use this at parties, I imagine. You can use this on the go. It's yeah. just a way to share music, right? Yep. Um, I, I, I guess I'll explain the app real quick. Um, so basically, I'll show the home screen. You can get this uh, for all you lis- for listeners of the podcast form. I'm showing this on our screen, but I'll try to do my best to describe it audio-wise. Um, JBXQ um, is, I would call it community radio, basically. Basically, if uh, as you scroll through the app, you can get this on desktop as well. Um, there's like a bunch of rooms you can join, like, I don't know, uh, mixtape one this one's called jam sesh there's true edm true edm there's lots of different rooms for different genres and vibes and whatnot and basically you join uh you create a queue which is basically just like a playlist and uh if you be a dj in one of these rooms whether it's a private or a public room uh it'll play whatever comes comes next if it's uh, uh, people can like star it or say they like it or they don't like it. And uh, you can kind of get feedback on what to play next in that room, so on and so on. It's a great way not only to introduce people to music that you love, but it's a great way to hear new music. So uh, uh, just uh, just before we get started, and this is not sponsored or anything, I, I, I've just been using this app for a while and I really like it. So I think it's really fun. I think everyone there should go check it out. Unfortunately, that's not what we're going to be using it for today for. <laughs> we're going to use it to basically, kind of like what we did with Guilty Pleasures, uh, the episode we did back in season two that you should all go back and listen to. It's a great, it was a really fun episode. Um, but this time, we're instead of talking about music that we're currently listening to, like I alluded to earlier, we're going to talk about music that we used to listen to. Michael, how's that going to work? Well, yeah, just the way this app works, it introduces some anonymity to what we're playing. Uh, we don't know what music we're bringing to the table. All we know is that um, we're in some way ashamed that we used to listen to it or don't listen to it as much anymore or mm-hmm. even like kind of want to defend it. Um, it's going to introduce some interesting conversations and you'll see some live reactions of um you know, all three of us uh, reacting to this music that we're about to play. Um, so yeah, it's a good time. And then when Michael says, well, we don't know what we're bringing to the table, what he's meant specifically by that is we don't know who each other, who each of us know each other, what we're bringing to the table. So I obviously know what's in my playlist. Ben doesn't, Michael doesn't, and then so on and so on. So we did this for, again, we did this for our Guilty Pleasures episode where we kind of all went in blind to each other's picks so we can get our live reactions because it's fun. This is supposed to be, this is music we were once embarrassed by. So, eh, you know, it, it's, I think it's fun to get a reaction. It's like, oh my God, did you just listen to that? So that's kind of the idea behind it. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Ben, um, what else do you have to say about this? Um, it's, I just think it's going to be a very interesting thing and really kind of show our roots because I feel as though you and Michael have chance of, you have a chance of, of having some similar songs on your playlist. I feel like mine is going to be kind of, it's, it's going to be very indicative of the person that I grew into. I think that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Of, of all the ones here, all the people here, I'm the, I think you're going to have the most interesting picks. So like, like you said, I think Michael, you and I, we're going to have some, 
similar stuff coming from similar genres. Um, <laughs> this is based on what I know about you, but Ben, I'm I have no clue what you're going to bring here. So I'm, I'm most I'm most excited for your picks. But I'd like to, if it's okay with you guys, to launch into my first pick. Please um, do. I think this is going to anger a lot of people here, but hopefully wake some people up to make you realize that you were once into this too and don't hide it from me. So I'm going to launch into being a DJ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. Let me explain myself here. Okay. This was what did we just long, to, Michael? long before explain I got into yourself. Who did we just yeah. listen to? I have to, I have to explain myself. This was long before I got, I had like any sort of music identity. This is like 2008, 2009. I'm in like middle school, dude. Like I it, later than that, like just past elementary school. And I don't know about you guys, but I remember at least in my town, like, and a lot of other small towns like people hear this and everyone seemed to started listening to Skrillex and like it wasn't just my like my immediate peer group it was like my dad was listening to Skrillex like everyone was checking it out in some way and I don't know why it was just like the new thing at the time and like it, as I guess dubstep was, you know, just this thing that people never heard. There was electronic music, but it didn't go as like hard and as like, like it just, it, it hits like the pleasure points in your brain, you know, where it's like, it builds up to this giant bass drop and, and, you know, everyone started falling in love with it. And um, Skrillex, uh, Far Cry 3, the video game had a lot to play into that. Um, at least in the the guys that I hung out with, like, you know, there was a Skrillex song in that game and then you would hear it all the time. It would be in YouTube's like top recommended. It was just everywhere. And I didn't know, I didn't have anything else to listen to. So this, <laughs> this is just what I came back to. You guys had to have like at least heard this and on the radio at the time, maybe you didn't love it or fall into it, but you at least heard it. Right. I assume I heard it somewhere. I've, I have one of my roommates was very, very into uh, EDM and dubstep when he was younger. So I've, that's my real touch point is just knowing someone who was in the, the place that you were. Uh, and I'm sure that there's some kind of support group you can join or something to try and process these feelings and memories that you have. 
Andrew, help me out, man. Um, I'm sorry, I don't remember hearing this on the radio. Fuck <laughs> you. You at least remember like Bangarang or like scary. I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure I've heard various new stuff stuff. I don't know if it was Skrillex. I doubt it. I'm sure I'd heard the Skrillex song or two when I was growing up. I mean, listen, everyone, anyone who listens to the show or anyone I know probably like criticizes me for being a music elitist and you know, sometimes that's fair. That's fair. I think it's a fair point, but I'm nowhere near as bad as I used to be. When I was first getting into music, I thought I had it all fucking figured out. Like, yes, this <laughs> is everything I know is right. You know, I, I used to think that any electronic music was just computer noises and just junk and get rid of it all. So yeah, uh, Skrillex was like one of those banes of my existences. I hadn't heard it very much, but just knowing hearing clips of dubstep, knowing what it was, I'm like, it's horrible. It's terrible. And I mean, yeah, I don't think Skrillex is still very good now, especially listening to this. I'm not going to say it's good now, but I've grown, especially after listening to bands like Nine Inch Nails, I've grown a really strong appreciation for stuff that sounds a little more industrial, stuff that sounds a little more electronic. And I think The Killers also helped a bit with that as well. Um, Skrillex, no, I don't think I'm going to be there. I will say, though, after having listened to music, when someone says waiting for that drop, as they quote unquote say, I, I, under, I understand what they mean by that now, you know, having that huge change in tone and uh, rhythm. And uh, I, I, it, it is cathartic in a way to hear that. So I, I will I will give them credit for that, again, to kind of help me understand that. Um, but I don't want it coming from dubstep. That's and i will end this i will end my segment on this if you still listen to skrillex tweet at us because i want to talk to you i want to understand why you still listen to this come on the show it just in the late 2000s and it needs to stay there and uh, if you still listen to this please i want to know why with that i think we can move on well speaking of the 2000s Imagine me with my CD Walkman for some reason. Mm-hmm. And one CD in particular, 10 tracks plus a, an 11th live bonus track. It's got a jukebox on the cover. Here it is. In a town without a name, in a heavy downpour, thought he passed his own shadow by the backstage door. Like a trip through the past first favorite album was the 10 10 track foreigner collection their greatest hits from 1983 
my one of my first favorite songs was Jukebox Hero by Foreigner. That was just that shit was in my CD player constantly. I know every single word on that still. I haven't listened to anything from that album in a serious way in five or ten years. I was listening to it the other day for this episode. I remember it all. It's crazy. But yeah, Foreigner. So a band from the 70s starts out my uh, my childhood songs here. So that kind of, I, I would say that that's very indicative of, of who I have become today. You know? Andrew, you probably know more about Foreigner than I have. I don't have a lot to say. All I have to do, say is I put Foreigner in the same uh, category as, like, I didn't even know they were a 70s band. I thought they were an 80s band. But I put them in the same category as Journey, Asia, like, just all of those bands that I, I just despise. And it, it only takes one song for me to kind of like have a visceral reaction to it. But uh, what about you, Andrew? Yeah, I, I'm pretty much right there with you. So Foreigner, I don't know much more than you, honestly, Michael, apart that I used to kind of listen to some of that stuff. And apart from Asia, which is a very strong guilty pleasure of mine, I cannot stand any of those fans either. Uh, they're, they're, they're kind of that part of you know, the late 70s, early 80s arena rock that is just so overproduced uh it just kind of loses all value to me you know you, you said bands like journey bands like sticks bands like ario speedwagon uh, i think we think it's probably the closest <laughs> to to the foreigner there um have you how have you ever tuna a fish i screw that thing um but um yeah it, yeah, I, 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 Foreigner, I, I used to like, you know, Hot-Blooded, um, I'm sure, at one point. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, for, I never had too much attachment to Foreigner outside of hearing them on the radio every now and again. Uh, I think I probably got sick of Foreigner once I realized how overused uh, I Want to Know What Love Is was used in, like, Hollywood and for, like, movies. Like, that ballad just... It hurts still listen to today. Um, she's, it's kind of like bad to the bone levels of like overuse. Like, you know exactly what kind of movie, what, what exactly a movie is if they're using that song, uh, you know, in their soundtrack. But uh, yeah, Foreigner, just really bland music. I, I really can't see much beyond it. It's overproduced crap. Um, it, but considering, Ben, how much we know you love the 70s, this makes complete sense to me. Why would this be? like something you'd bring here today. Yeah. These are my roots. And, and as much as I, yeah, really kind of vehemently despise bands like journey and even foreigner now and sticks and all this, it's, it's like a real icky sound to me now. And a really big part of that is I was into all those bands when I was a lot younger, when I was in middle school. So I have heard all of that stuff so much and it isn't that good to begin with. I don't think. So, yeah. Andrew. All right. I well, I think it's my turn. Sorry, you messed up. Messed you up there, Ben. Uh, if we cut it out for all of you, uh, apparently, if you downvote too much on this, you just skip the next song. Of course, when me, and Michael first heard it. We wanted to immediately downvote Foreigner, so we've actually <laughs> spoiled Ben's next pick, but that's okay. Uh, we still have my picks to to go through. So, uh, Michael, you mentioned something. You, you know. A song, uh, listening to music, a song that 
you liked before you had any real musical identity. And uh, that's what I'm going for. I'm cheating a little bit because while this is still technically my adolescence, this is well before my teen years. Uh, this is, I'm going to play you all my first ever favorite song. I was like six or seven years old. I was in second grade. Uh, and, and when I say I, like song, I'm not talking about like Blue's Clues or Plague or whatever, like song made for children. No, this is my first ever favorite like song you would hear on like mainstream radio. I don't know why I was gravitated to this one. It's a horrible song, but nevertheless, uh, I was. So <sighs> do you guys know the reason? That's enough of that. Okay, so here's the first thing I have to ask both of you. Do you guys even know what what that song was or who Hoobastank is? No idea. Nope. I, I had to look at him up on the Wikipedia, but I can already tell they're the most early 2000s bands I've yes. ever seen in my entire you, you life. You think so. So I guess I do have to give some backstory. So Hoobastank was a band that started in 1994, which I had no idea they were they started that early. And yet, for some reason, they never had any time to actually become good. Basically, the best <laughs> way I can describe Hoobastank is a very, very poor man's incubus. Um, and that probably, and just that statement alone probably just makes incubus cry. I mean, there. I mean, you hear some of the other stuff like out of the dark, out of control, whatever. I forget some of it. Out of control, whatever. It. I don't know. Like the, the, you, you get you get you get the sense of what there is. They're, they're slightly new metal again. Have that kind of weird alternative edge that Incubus had. It actually made them pretty decent. Hoobastank had none of that. Their their lead singer is terrible. He, when, I'm sure if you heard, like he kind of tries to do this like weird falsetto in this song, and he can't do it because he doesn't have the range. It's it's rough. This, this is some rough stuff. Um, yet uh, they managed to get a hit, a pretty big hit, actually. In the reason, the reason was is pretty different from their other stuff, considering that it's a pop song more than a rock song. Because they had a big old crossover hit. Um, uh, in well, even this album was released in 2003, but this was really a 2004 song. The song was the song was huge in 2004. For some reason, uh, my dad had heard on the radio, and I'm sure he started just playing it in the car at some point. And for whatever reason, little Andrew Mullen's brain back in second grade was like, "Yes, this this is the greatest thing music has to offer." Uh, the fact that a six-year-old decided that should kind of give you some indication how good the song actually is. So. 
Yeah, um, I'm going to stop my monologue now because I'm kind of interested to hear what you two thought of this song, having first heard it. I mean, it sounds exactly like, what? when did this come out? Like 2004? Yeah, it sounds 2003, like 2004. 2003, yeah. 2004. I have a band coming later um, that's going to sound, well, actually, both of my other picks are going to sound kind of like this in a, in a way. But what you hear a lot from this period of time is, oh, we can use auto-tune on everything. And that vocal is a really good example of like crazy, like high levels of auto-tune, not just used to fix, but just used for everything. Yeah, like if you hear this band try to sing this live, it, it's pretty apparent then you, how, how much they use it in this song. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And that's a very interesting just sort of musical construction aspect of this period of time is that everyone was loving the auto-tune on every single lead vocal, the whole song. What do you think of this, Michael? Love it? Uh, all I have to say is if this was your very first favorite song, Andrew, that explains a lot about you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've never felt so attacked in the show more than right now. Yes, <laughs> jokes, obviously. But yeah, I just hate the mood of this song. I hate that, like, uh, it, it sounds like it should be in, like, a Disney tune, you know? Like, it has that vibe where I just, like, I the the soaring chorus and, and things yeah. like that is just, Oh, that oh, was a, should, that was. Oh, if you want soaring, you should hear the bridge of this song, Michael, where you just mm. you just start screaming and the reason is you <laughs> over and over again. Just just like swells, in just the worst way. I, there might be a key change in there, or I I, I don't know, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, this song's also like I think a lot. I think a lot of people forget about this song is that it's also super like the lyrics are super manipulative as well. Um, you know, like I'm sorry that I hurt you or whatever. It's it's just and yet actually provides no way he's gonna make things better. It's it's terrible. Um, do not listen to the song it belongs where it was popular um i did try to briefly like when i when i when i actually did start listening to music again i did briefly go back to this band just trying to see what else they had offered and just remember the reason and that didn't stick with me very long it's to kind of realize how crap this band was so in the midst of all the other stuff that i was listening to at the time and you'll hear some samples later even I couldn't stand Hoobastank or who or like H infinity symbol because they use the infinity symbol for the two O's after after the first H. So H affinity B stank. I don't know. Let's <laughs> uh, <laughs> not get into the lore of this band. I don't. I, I don't even think there's no fucking lore, Michael. It's just <laughs> whatever symbol sy symbolism they try. Whatever. Well, I can tell I, you I for a move on, please. My next pick has a little lore behind it. Oh God. Oh, no. And uh, I, yeah, I will tell you right now that uh, this is a band that I still kind of have some sympathy for. And you boys can feel free to rip on me for that. But uh, here you go. A little bit of metal now. Did you never give a damn in the first place? Maybe it's time you had the tables turned. Because in the interest of all of all, they got the problem solved. And the friends is guilty. And they'll kill me. Tell me what you've been to try. Stop dropping off. You were dead from the get-go. Been malfunctioned. Two of a guy stuck away. Scared of me now. Then you tell me that I thought I was his and never was. Don't measure me to piss and vinegar. Don't tell me you're slave. They got fear you bullshit. Just another dumb blow. Trouble that this shit. It's another way to break through the noise. Gotta be that way if you want it. Saturday, literal, my Saturday, it's mine. Scratch it out. All you wanna do is shut me down. All you wanna do is step me around. Smash. 
We'll cut mm. it there. <laughs> yeah, you guys saw this one coming because I've talked about Slipknot on the podcast before. I have seen these guys on two or three separate occasions. Mm. And oh. this, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's in there deep. Like I first heard uh, before I forget when I was like really young, you know where I heard it, Andrew, I heard it on like a WWE video game. That I makes think. sense. Yeah. And then it just kind of took off from there. And then I, um, my friends at the time were like really into like, just the, let's find the most obscene, like screamy, like just out of proportion metal you can ever find. And that was the first thing that came to us apparently. And I will stand by it to this day. I think Corey Taylor is a fantastic vocalist. I think you can see his range on Slipknot and Stone Sour. And, you know, I one time saw him at Rock on the Range and he did a beautiful cover of uh, I Am the Highway, which is a Chris Cornell song, which is not easy to cover, you know. And I, I stand by to this day that I don't think Slipknot is the worst thing to come out of the new metal era. In fact, I think they're one of the better ones and yeah i i know you guys probably have a very different opinion i want to hear ben's first Ugh. andrew just because i know this is so far away from what ben traditionally listens to yes i would agree probably with the fact that this is one of the better new metal things that i've heard but i really don't like new metal at all in any way if I if I'm having my my rapping, it's gonna be in conjunction with hip hop. It's not gonna be <laughs> going on over here. Um, it's 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 just I I was never someone who had like a as as you're probably going to see. I was never really someone who had like a really edgy phase per se. Um, I was just kind of like a musical snob asshole for a lot of my life. Um, and I'm finally trying to move out of that, but, um, it's, uh, uh, I, I, I don't have that much to say. Cause I don't like, what is the deal with this band? Are they like, do they have some sort of, are they wearing costumes? It's one of the ones that they're wearing costumes. They changed, they changed masks for every album and they're, they're really spooky and they got two drummers. So they're like kiss. Don't ever compare them to kids. <laughs> better than kids. They also like don't want the um, don't want the drummers just bang on an oil drum. Isn't that all the yeah? Drum? An oil drum, like garbage cans. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> okay. I love it though. I love I love what they put into the gimmick. I really do. And like seeing them live, you know, blew me away at the I, two or three times that I did. So I don't doubt that they have a decent live show. Um, I, I've I've spoken I've spoken crap about um. You know, uh, uh, slip mountain here before, and you know, all, all things considering what Ben said, I, I I do actually kind of agree with. They're not the worst new metal project out there. No, I mean, come on, you, you're competing against Limp Bizkit and Corn and uh, exactly. Roach. I mean, like it, it's it's tough competition, and there's actual talent in this band, unlike those other ones. So you know, it, whatever you know, I. I it, but does this still make them good? I mean. What I heard there, all the weird DJ scratching they kind of force in there. I mean, it it 
it's just rough to listen to. I've always said this, um, you know, alternative metal, like in the early nineties is great. You know, late eighties, early nineties, you had nine inch nails, you had like fear factory and faith no more. You know, a lot of really interesting experimental sounds. And I love early nineties, like alternative metal, but that genre, like a lot of other ones kind of morphed and mutated into really ugly things right in the decade thus into into new metal and you know slipknot whether whether they're the worst or not are still egregious offenders of that and i don't know i mean i, 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 I will all right let, let me we end this segment i want to say like Corey taylor is like a classically trained vocalist jim no. root is actually a jazz guitarist um well, I, I, again like i said i know that there's actual talent in this band and i agree tori I've calmed down a Corey Taylor over the years. He is a really good vocalist. I can't deny that he has actually a good range. It's just a shame that none of his projects ever translate into being good so I can enjoy it. Like I've always said, <laughs> Slipknot is a stupid band. Stone Sour is his boring band. And quite frankly, cool. it's just a shame. Um, I will say, though, if you want actual decent new metal, like one of the early projects from, from that genre, Snot, they actually had a lot of the same stuff with new metal, but didn't go all the way out stupid with it. So definitely listen to Snot. That's all I'm going to say. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can move on to Ben now. Okay. Well, we are really going to the other side of the spectrum here, baby. <laughs> Um, turn on your radio in the early 2000s and you have a pretty good chance of hearing this guy, this Canadian on a, a, an adult contemporary station. <laughs> Here it is. Hopefully. Marty's good. And you were bound, you were free, and you were black for me. You were dark, as dark as night You were wrong, yeah, you were right Well, shot down since you never had the chance Took a ride on a suicide romance Could've sworn there was somebody home To facilitate the great unknown woman I ain't gonna meet you That is the lovely John Andrine. It's like Andre Sack or something. I don't know. He goes by Five for Fighting. He's just a solo guy. He goes by Five for Fighting, which is a hockey reference from this Canadian mid 2000s adult contemporary guy. But this album that this comes from, Easy Tonight, it has his biggest song, which is Superman. Um, and it's, I still think that it's really good. I, I like Superman. It's a great song when it came out. I'll, yes, I'll, I'll get that. 
I, I, this is where I don't really have a lot of other artists. See, the thing is, I was very scattershot as, as a, an adolescent, a child and an adolescent where I, I liked things, but they were all in very different areas. Like I liked this, but I was also getting into, you know, like there's lots of classic rock I could have brought on that we all are very familiar with that I was getting into at this time. Or there's some stuff that's a little edgier that I'm going to play for my last pick. But this was just like, I think this album specifically was the dawn of the Ben that you know today, the guy who really listens to music for choruses and lyrics. And this has got that in spades. Basically every song can get stuck in my head and I know I am familiar with everything. I don't know. What do you do you all know anything about Five for Fighting? Do you have any familiarity at all? I have none. I think I heard the name before. I never heard any music associated with it. Um, after this, I kind of want to keep it that way. Um, <laughs> you know, I think this is easily the least worst thing we've heard since we played and it makes again yeah, makes complete sense so this is something i can definitely hear young ben actually listen to this but yeah you know adult contemporary can really be hit or miss for me and this is definitely a miss i mean with this weird like like down home roots you know style like yeah. instruments but also very cleanly produced along with this i don't know who, who, who what this vocalist reminds me of who this vocalist reminds me of i can't i can't put a finger to it but it was really grating to listen to this weird, like almost frog style vocals. He's like bringing to this and never tries to like raise his voice, like an octave or two. It, it fails completely um, you know, in the chorus. It, it, yeah. It, I don't see much talent really in here. This is definitely seems very indicative to like John Mayer another good all contemporary mm. artist at the time. And none of us should be reminded that John Mayer exists. So, um, yeah, that's all I have to say to it. My <laughs> my opinions are pretty much square in line with Andrew's. Um, after a quick Wikipedia search, um, you know, it's it, I do remember a lot of these hits. I remember Superman. I remember uh, the Riddle. Um, like these are all pretty indicative of the late two uh, thousands, early twenty tens. And, you know, I, I also learning now that this guy is a huge philanthropist, donates to a lot of charities, shout out to that. Um, but yeah, his music, not for me. And uh, Ben, I'm glad this came up in your childhood because now I can make fun of you for it for the rest of your life. Yes. And I, uh, this five for fighting, this is not a hill I will die on, but it's a hill I would like get injured on. Not fatally, just like someone, you know, <laughs> like, like I think that this Ow. album specifically, I think this was his first label, major label album. I think that this album is his strongest. And I like a lot of the songs. I think that a respectable band or musician could come along and do a real nice cover of one of them. I think he's a good songwriter at, at his core. I, I respect that a lot. And I like that a lot. And now I want to hear Andrew's next pick. I don't know if I want to share this next one, guys. I <laughs> Because there okay, so this is a backstory to this. So whew, how I discovered this. So we're we're not quite in my teen years yet, but we are gonna enter it with this song still. Um oh my goodness. So uh I don't know how to introduce sex parts, I'm just gonna say it. So I grew up in a NASCAR household, okay? Uh <laughs> Michael's already waiting start. Great. So my dad lo loves NASCAR. He still does. Um, I 
liked it, but mainly because my dad did. By the time I was a teenager, I had lost any interest in it. I, I, I don't understand it. It's just a bunch of people watching cars drive in a circle for like 200 laps. Hey, you do you, but it does nothing to me. Apart, and I will still enjoy the this video game. I'm holding up NASCAR 2007 for the yes. PlayStation 2. And here is why. Here is why. Um, do not play it properly. Do not race like anyone else does. No. What you do, you stop your car, you turn around, you drive into a head-on yes. with all the other cars, and it's just madness. It's a, that's a lot of fun. You, you don't have to like NASCAR to think that that's a lot of fun. I'm besides the point. Why am I bringing this game up? Why am I bringing any of this up? Well, the opening song to this game, the first song that you hear when this game boots up on the PlayStation 2 was this. chosen for a nascar game of all things i don't know it doesn't have redneck vibes to me so i i don't understand but it was and i always associated playing with that game and then when i became a teenager later later on getting into music i returned to this band to the song and i thought it was the greatest thing in the world just ripping to me guys i just i just i just want it all let me let me let me level with you real quick i did not actually think that was that bad and I, like, oh, no. I don't know why, but like the build up, the, the chorus, it, the way the rhythm was, I think I'm, I'm not going to return to it, but that wasn't a bad song by any means. And I was hoping someone would bring Breaking Benjamin into this episode because it's just such like a, it's just such in the era that we grew up and just it's belongs yes. in the past. And I was hoping someone would bring it to the surface but this song in particular is not that bad don't don't take take that with a grain of salt because i uh i don't like the rest of breaking benjamin's discography by any means but i would uh, hope not jesus christ that wasn't bad i don't know what do you got to say ben um well that that song somewhat but sort of this band kind of figures into my childhood as well just because so my dad is a big big like classic 80s 90s metal guy right so he was sort of as i was a kid he was still buying cds when they would come out and he was following new bands and trying to see what stuff he would like so he would pick out you know a song or two by breaking benjamin and have it on his 
MP3 player, <laughs> play it in the car. Um, so I, I have a passing familiarity with Breaking Benjamin, and that's from my childhood. And therefore, when I hear a song like this, I cannot entirely hate it because it just makes me think of being a little kid. So yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of in the same area with with Michael on this one. Is I don't think it's the most embarrassing thing ever, but that's also just kind of because when we were all brought up. I I'm surprised. I think I'm going to be harsher on this than you two are. I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So if you all don't know, yeah, just like I said, this was Breaking Benjamin. The song was called "The Diary of James." Probably their most well known track. This album, Phobia, came out in 2006, and I was horrified to find out because I was. In, in research, preparing for this episode, and coming up with ideas to bring here, I was horrified to find in my old iTunes, I went into my old iTunes like library card where I purchased music, where I'd willingly paid, spent money that I had gotten through iTunes gift cards for Christmas, or I bought from doing like chores or whatever, that I bought this entire album on iTunes at one point. And I wow. regret it to this day because... You've heard one Brink and Benjamin song. You've heard them all. Um, Michael, and you said the song isn't half bad in a way. I, I, I will agree with you to a point. I think the opening riff before all the guitars come in is actually pretty decent. Um, and the vocals come in, just loses everything. But this is legit their best song. And that's not saying much because it's pretty bad still. It, it's really cringy. has all this angst to it. Um, the lyrics, I think, are about like his girlfriend who committed suicide or so it, it's it's really rough stuff um so i won't touch in the lyrics there but i'll tell you what the lyrics are not good and any of the other tracks um you know when you talk about i will not bow or so cold or whatever hits they've had some <laughs> hits in quotes they're just no like they, they all their songs go at this really asinine just just gr gruesome mid mid to slow tempo pace they're all this really heavy angsty stuff you you it, it, every song you've heard is the same the singer isn't very good uh, i think his name's benjamin something i don't know whatever it just it doesn't matter yeah um Breaking Benjamin, not a band that should stay where it is they still make music for some reason i i don't know how well <laughs> they do i, I Whatever, I don't care. Don't listen to Brank and Benjamin. I, you know, I, it's it's fun to be reminded that Diary of Jane exists because of nostalgia for me. But beyond that, I strong no on Brank and Benjamin for me. So my next pick, I'll, I mentioned that I've seen Slipknot two or three times live, and at one of those shows, <laughs> it was uh, Slipknot and Corn co-headlining with this as their opener, and everyone will remember, good old Marilyn Manson.
stop it there. But uh, here's what I got to say about Marilyn Manson. I still, to this day, in some ways, respect him for who he is. He's just trying to, like, piss off, you know, the right wing conservative moms. And I'm all for that. But uh, he his form of shock rock does not stick around with me. And just and I look back very unfavorably to how he did it, especially when you go back to like his arguably best album, Smells Like Children, and the B-sides and the names of some of those songs. He uses the N-word. He kind of like he just kind of does everything he can to just really you know not appeal to anybody. And his music kind of surfaced for me when I was just trying to be rebellious and edgy, and that was cool. And he uh, he opened for Slipknot, burning a Bible on stage. Uh, you know, he had like dead babies like decorating the stage. I thought it was the coolest shit ever. And you know, some of the songs like the Beautiful People, I think, are still great songs. Uh, the Dope Show too on Mechanical Animals. He gets a lot more industrial, which I like. I think his cover of uh, Sweet Dreams still is great. Um, but if your greatest hit is a cover. I mean, that just kind of says something about you as an artist, you know? So what did you guys think of Marilyn Manston when he was kind of surfacing and um, he was kind of on every headline and Fox News at one point and stuff like that? I, I, I must have had just a really, well, I did. I think I had a pretty sheltered childhood in terms of music, it feels like. Because, you know, my family, we didn't have cable when I was growing up, so I didn't really ever see any... You know, I wouldn't have seen any sort of cable news pieces on Marilyn Manson because I assume that's where that would have shown up, not on the local news. Right. Um, but <sighs> that's my reaction. Um, it's, yeah, the, a lot of the stuff we're talking about today is very of its time. And Marilyn Manson, I don't think, is an exception. I don't know if if he's still... If he's if he's making some crazy stuff now, but even I mean the name I think using the name Manson really just sort of lets you know exactly what what Marilyn what old Marilyn was all about. Ben, let me uh, let me point you to his most recent picture on Spotify though. Him oh, in a cowboy shit. hat. Well, he's, he's recently been trying to take a country angle. Uh, he put out a few acoustic. <laughs> Not Ben has to listen to it. It's a requirement. <laughs> Including right. a song called God's Gonna Cut You Down. And I think you should give it a listen before you is, pass. Is, is that a Johnny Cash cover? Yeah, I was gonna say, I think that's a cover. Oh yeah, that's a cover. Sorry. So there you go. He covered Johnny Cash. So go ahead. Don't don't, don't save your judgment until after you listen. Yeah, you to know, it. you know what? If there's a cowboy hat involved, I am contractually obligated to go listen to it. So I guess I'll have to check that out and I'll come back to you next week. Yep. Andrew, what do you think? Um, no, I actually won't be too hard on you, Michael, for this one, because I can actually also get down with Marilyn Manson on certain points. Uh, like, like you said earlier, um, you know, some of his aspects of music doesn't really age well, like covering that Patti Smith song you, you, you referenced to. Um, but yeah, uh, I will say, though, um, that if we're talking new metal, he's definitely one of the few artists from that genre that I can actually listen to, you know, alongside like Perfect Circle or something like that. Um, I, yeah, you know, again, I, I kind of like what he stood for in the sense of standing up to, you know, right wing conservative parents at the time, you know, and, you know, 
you know, really teeing off Fox News in its early days. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't really know much of his stuff to really give a great, um, uh, like, criticism towards. Um, I, I, I know my girlfriend who still also likes Manson. Uh, she, uh, she, she had me listen to a song called Lunchbox from I think his first record, um, and I actually enjoyed that the lyrics are a bit hokey it's all about like bullying and stuff like that but you know i i don't know i i I can still appreciate manson not only as not only as kind of like that force against right-wing america but also as a musician kind of too which i know is probably not something you'd expect me to say but i don't know i i think he brought something different than other uh new new metal artists at the time so and i and i appreciate him for that yeah, right. I think okay. it's time to come back around to Ben's last pick. All right, so I'm going to set the scene here. This is not the scene of how this factors into my childhood, but this is the scene of the most significant thing that this band has done in the last 10 to 15 years. <clears throat> it is 2016. <laughs> it's, t- it's, t- it's time... It's time for Donald Trump to be inaugurated as president of the United States. And he has gone down. Well, he was inaugurated in 2017, Ben. Come on. Okay, 2017. He has gone down the list of artists. And it has been no after no after no. The Rockettes finally said yes. So he's got a little bit of entertainment there. But he needs some kind of relevant rock band. What sort of rock band that is so relevant in 2017 could Donald Trump get for his inauguration? Oh, I know. All my work never seem to get me very far. Walk to moving this now, even though I'm trying to You want to talk about heavy auto tune? That <laughs> chorus is insane. But um, three doors down, three doors down. Actually, I said "Jukebox Hero" is one of my first favorite songs. My first ever favorite song is "Kryptonite" by Three Doors Down. There are videos of me in my diaper, like dancing around to that song in the living room with a little <laughs> red toy guitar. Um, Three Doors Down, it's it's very hard for me to speak objectively about this band because it was just like, I don't know every song, but for, from their first two albums specifically, I kind of just have rose-colored glasses on because it was just like, this is the music of my childhood is Three Doors Down. And barring the appearance at Donald Trump's inauguration in 2017, um, 
uh, I don't know. It's, I, I kind of need y'all to tell me, does this completely suck? I think it does, um, but I don't know for sure. Three Doors Down completely sucks, and they suck <laughs> more you. for letting Trump use the citizen inauguration. <laughs> That's just so funny to me that, like, oh, my God, it's such a cringy song. And Oh, they played and, there. Yeah. At his inaugural ball, Three Doors Down played. Yeah. I don't know what they played. Uh, what kind of presidential ball is that when you're having Three Doors Down play? <laughs> really sad one. It's, it was appropriate. I suppose, yeah, it was. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, yeah, obviously using – I did not know they played at his inauguration. That really does sour any – what little view I had really of Three Doors Down. I, I, here's what I'll grant you, Ben. You know, I, I used to love Kryptonite, the song. And honestly, I'll, I'll admit it. Whenever it comes on the radio, I still enjoy it. I still think it's – I still think it kind of, it's kind of a bop. I, it's in my head most of the time. Granted, catchiness is never a really good indicator of how good a song is. Annoying songs can be very catchy. But I don't know. It, it, it's, it's not bad. I don't, I don't think Three Doors Down is necessarily bad. Um, here's what I will say about them. Uh I think it was the YouTube channel Rock that once described Three Doors Down as plain vanilla yogurt. There's nothing wrong with it. But you'd probably rather have something else with a lot of interesting stuff in there. And, you know, I think that's a fair way of describing them. I mean, I granted, I like plain, like, you know, uh, vanilla, like ice cream and stuff. So honestly, like, maybe that's why, maybe that explains why I like this band. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty boring, pretty uninspired. Even if they can't come up with a few decent tracks, it doesn't really make them a good band, I don't think. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. And that is my last one. And now, Andrew, we will move to your last one. All right. Now, I am surprised. I'm actually really surprised, especially with you, Michael, that we have not gotten anything on here yet that can be described as scene or emo yet so which granted it comprises a lot of what i uh, listened to um when i in my early teens um so yeah i mean i really don't have any built up for this one i'm just gonna just play it That is the least seen emo of like their era. That's like their new era. 
trust me, I listen to Sugar, We're Going Down. I listen to Dance Dance. Thanks for the memory. I listen to it all. Um, so what do you guys got to say? <laughs> there was a time in my life where Fall Out Boy was my greatest nemesis. Like, I didn't hate any people. I hated Fallout <laughs> like above any politician, any warmongering criminal. I hated Fallout Boy above them all, just just for the way that they somehow were able to slide themselves into third era emo or third wave emo. And oh, I don't even think they are. This this is this is pop. This this is them being like at this point they started to become uh, like Imagine Dragons basically, yes. but they just wouldn't die. Like bands like Fall Out Boy have one record or one song, a few hits, and then they're done. They're good. But year after year, they seem to have another song, another fucking song that I couldn't escape. And I just, oh, dude, you have no idea the amount of hate I had for Fall Out Boy as like a 13, 14 year old. Like they were just the bane of my existence. But uh, I don't know, Ben, what did you think? So... When I was in high school, um, we had we had talent show every year. We had a talent show every year, and without fail, every single year, some girl with her ukulele would mount the stage and play some f- fucking Fallout Boy song. <laughs> so, Michael, when you say that you feel as though Fallout Boy was your great nemesis when you were younger. I feel that way still, and and that hate retains to this day. There are there are many things I care about now, and many things I hate more than Fallout Boy. And I'm not not a person who hates bands very much anymore, even. But you know, this is the one. It's like this, and Imagine Dragons is like I just cannot get it. How no, Andrew? Now, no, before I go on anything, I do want to ask you guys this, and I'm sure I know what the answer is, but. Does your opinion on Fall Out Boy even nudge if we're talking, if, if we just ignore this era, like from, from this from this record, Save Rock and Roll moving forward, they're the latest era. And if we just look at their scene stroke emo era, era where we have like from under the cork tree and stuff like that, does your opinion on them even budge? Hmm. I like, I thought Sugar Were Going Down was a fine song. I thought that they, they fit perfectly into what was going on at the time. It was it didn't harm anybody, but even at that point, I I kind of knew in the back of my head like there's going to be some some like cardinal sin that will be committed within the next few years. Like someone's gonna die, like a, a part of my and it's a part of my soul that was going to die, and and it did. So yeah, not really true. Um, well, it's fine. I'm just curious. My opinion would shift just slightly because, yeah, I think Sugar We're Going Down is a a fine tune. Uh, they're they're not as offensive to me then as they became. So, yeah. So here's the thing. So here's my thing with Fall for, for this particular. The reason why I chose this song in particular over like their older stuff is because. This this is one of the songs I was really into um, when I was first getting into music, like strongly, like when I was like 13. Uh, surprise, I know. Um, you know, 13, 14, I was in eighth grade. 
and this was one of the songs that I was really into. I thought this is the greatest thing ever, you know. Um, and I didn't really know who Fall Out Boy was yet. Um, I was just kind of, you know, exploring rock music for the first time. And this is, I think, something that appeared on iTunes. Like, whoa, I heard that chorus. And undeniably kind of epic in a way for the time. Uh, that in the first song here, Phoenix. I mean, it, it's it you can't. It, it's like, like the same way that like Imagine Dragons is quote unquote epic. It's you know it's big and loud and it feels grandiose, even though it's completely vapid in all meaning. That's basically what Fall Out Boy became with this record and moving forward. Um, you know, the rest of the record's bad. They had like a weird Elton John like like duet on here. It was weird, <sighs> but. When I started getting into pop punk, I think one of the things that really got me into that was listening to older Fall Out Boy, you know, Sugar, We're Going Down, Dance, Dance, uh, their cover of Beat It, which I loved for some reason and I regret. <laughs> I think John Mayer played on that too. It was just a bad <laughs> thing all around. Uh, it's just fitting in the face of Eddie Van Halen, John Mayer plays. So whatever, I'm not getting into it. Um, the thing that really embarrassed me most about, not the fact I listened to Fall Out Boy, because I wasn't a scene kid. I didn't never identify as emo. I, I wasn't like, and this kind of goes for a break in Benjamin too. I never viewed myself as being that angsty beyond kind of having very unjustified like music snobbiness. Very justified considering this is what I was listening to. I I just thought it was that good that I was listening to it. I didn't want to be part of any culture or scene or anything. I just mm. thought it was that good. And the fact that I thought this crap, you know, Fall Out Boy or like, I, granted, I never really liked Panic at the Disco. I'll give myself that. But any, like, you know, I was also, I was debating this or Bowling for Soup to, like, put here. <laughs> like, this is, this is, that's the level of, like, stuff I thought, yes, this is actually good. And I actually enjoy this music, not, like, being part of a scene. That's the thing that embarrasses me the most about this. I was never part of these, like, clicks or anything. I just thought the music was good, <laughs> even though it's terrible, objectively garbage. So. I feel like that's the case for a lot of these songs that we played today. It was like, it was in that time period. And we were all, I feel like we were all kids that like, we obviously mute the music was at our forefront. Right. And in some cases we fell into the culture more than the, uh, more than the music itself. And we thought like, this will, will be the soundtrack to my life. Yes. And then two years later we find something that's significantly better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of the case for uh, for when you're first starting out listening to music and trying to find where you belong or what you gravitate towards. It, I guarantee you, like, if you listen to one thing and you think, like, this is my song, there's another song, like, literally a cu- maybe a couple weeks away. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this episode was really fun, boys. This is I feel like I've never laughed more on a, on one of our podcasts, <laughs> just seeing all of you guys' songs. I think with that, do you guys want to say something before we move in recommendations? I think I'm good. Andrew, looks like you're setting something up. Uh, yeah, no. Um, not surprised by anything really here today. And uh, yeah, now everyone knows my dirty little past. And I could have brought some honestly worse stuff. But this, this, this is the, all this is what I thought was appropriate. For sure. You want right. to hit it with the recommendation, Michael? Yes, sir. So um, as we're moving into holiday break, um, last year, um, Ben made me this guide to Bob Dylan and he designed it. He made he like perfectly curated like a description and like his favorite songs. And I'm I had um, I got really sick 
last winter break and I got through some of it, but I didn't get through all of it. So this Christmas break, I'm making it my goal because I'm also going on a road trip to listen to all of those Bob Dylan records and come back with a, a good view of Bob Dylan. And I wanted to do the same thing for Ben this year. And Andrew, I invite you to join in on this too. If you have like a band that you could like really dive into and break down each of the albums for and share it with us. I'm going to make one for Dinosaur Jr. for Ben. And I, as I'm going I'll back, I'll REM for you. I, I am totally down with that. Let's let's do that. But I made one. I'm going to make one for Dinosaur Jr. I already started, and I'm listening to back on some of these records. And of course, this is a cop out recommendation because it's my favorite band. But this is probably the record that nobody knows about. Um, talking about handed over when Jay Maskus was just by himself, and he's experimenting with horns, banjo. It's like this country kind of flair to it, and I think Ben's going to really enjoy it. So I have this one called "Getting Rough." That album is very weird how loud and how soft it gets. And I would just like to go back to our old podcast editors. Like one of my favorite quotes from Brent Gunn was uh, Jay Maskus's vocals is like getting a, a nice warm hug. And uh, I hope you experience that over Christmas break, Ben. Wow. Yes. Hearing that really bodes well for, for this whole experiment. I've always said, and I'll say it again, I think, of everything that you really love, Dinosaur Jr. is my most likely to feel the same exact And I have not ever heard evidence to the contrary. So I'm very excited for that. Um, my recommendation is is not really cop-outy. It's just something I've been listening to a lot and that a lot of people are probably at least somewhat familiar with or I've heard before and just don't really consider. I would like to do sort of a an appreciation post right now for two princes by spin doctors that's a you know a good old early 90s i think um tune it, it was somewhat of a hit i really don't know anything about it or the band i just know that two princes is an awesome song and i've been listening to it a lot um that's it it was in lego rock band <laughs> and it's good <laughs> so here it is Oh, 
Just makes me think of if anyone listening has seen Clerks. Just makes me think of Jay and Silent Bob mm-hmm. dancing in the parking lot. That's I great love it. Tune. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know much about the Spin Doctors either, but I do like that song. I mean, surprised to hear it here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's another reason why I love '90s. Like, like if it's a hit in the early to mid '90s, I'm probably gonna like it. You, yeah, knows me. I love, 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 love '90s rock, but. Um, uh, I will perform. I will uh, propose something very, very different. Um, where am I? Here we go. So uh, this is actually coming from my girlfriend. Uh, she recommended these band early, earlier. Uh, the band's called S East. I don't know how to say it. The, the band's very hard to look up because their name is literally just E S. Uh, it's just how you it's how you say it. It's how you spell it. And. Uh, I don't understand it either, but uh, they're, they're, they're a really interesting sounding band. They're a punk band, but they also incorporate a lot of like synths in their sound. Um, they have this really weird reverby aspect to them. I, I really enjoy it. Um, this, this is, uh, I, I listened to this about a week ago and I, I love it. So I'm going to play you a song called uh, Foundation. get the idea of it there um yeah no, that gives, really, huh that gives that's giving me sonic youth vibe so i instantly like that <laughs> well nice all right um that being said uh, i think that's it for today's episode i had a lot of fun I hope you guys did as well yes this is uh this is a great way to round out our last week here up at cmu hope you guys all have a great holiday break it's gonna and, be uh, yeah um but we will be back uh, at some point soon, uh, we have a couple more episodes ideas, including a Christmas episode, which I'll just love so much. Um, so, but that will be in a few weeks. Uh, I, I think our next episode is going to be, I don't know what we will, we will figure that out shortly. So stay tuned for that listeners. And as always, good night, night Detroit. Detroit. I Yeah.